You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by The Hartford. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Small Biz Ahead from The Hartford. My name is Gene Marks, and I'm here with my co-host, Johnny Deconis. John, hello and hello. How are you today? Hello, Gene. Good, thanks. How are you? Good. We are talking, John, today about succession planning. And I know, listen, you work for the Hartford, so there's not that many instances where this impacts you personally. But I'm sure you know many of the Hartford's um, readers and community, a bunch of small business owners like myself, where succession planning really you know, hits a nerve. Both you and I have got a bunch of questions for our guests. For sure. Yeah. I think it, what's interesting too is as many people who might be kind of thinking about what the future holds for kind of getting out of business might be thinking about what the future holds for getting in. So it'd be interesting for them to be able to understand kind of the other side of the conversation. I like that angle a lot um, because um, we do have a lot of young entrepreneurs, they're millennials. People talk about millennials, they think they're that young, but millennials are on the upper end of, of that generation. Are, they're in their 30s, you know, late 30s. I mean, they're they're looking to get into businesses. And meanwhile, there's a bunch of people looking to get out. So you're right. There are there are opportunities. So joining us today is Mark Caden. Mark is the CEO of Finseca. Uh, his website is finseca.org, F-I-N-S-E-C-A.org. Mark, first of all, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Sure. Yeah, I'm really glad to have you on. And I got lots of questions for you. And I know John does as well. But you know, before we really get into you know, details about it, first of all, tell a little bit about yourself, who you are, and tell us a little bit about Finseca. Well, thanks, Gene. Uh, Finseca is an organization that's inspired by this notion of financial security for all. That's literally how we pick the name, financial security for all. And we represent, you know, financial planners, advisors, leaders in what we would call the financial security space, people who who uh, do holistic planning and financial advice. There's a life insurance and a kind of financial security component to it. There's a retirement security uh, component to it. And what we, you know, we started this organization a couple of years ago, uh, really to try to unify the profession. There's lots of different kinds of professionals who, you know, provide holistic financial advice and planning uh, for their clients. That could be families, individuals, business owners, um, because we felt like there's a better way. There's a, an opportunity to deliver more better financial advice, get more financial security in the hands of business owners and their employees. And, you know, my background, I've been doing the running a version of this organization for the last 20 plus years. So been involved in advocacy, you know, legislative, regulatory uh, membership, engagement, uh, more and more talking to consumers about these topics. So, you know, I've been doing this a while and uh, I have the benefit of talking to some of the best and brightest planners out there uh, as part of my day-to-day work. So just really appreciate it's, a, it's an important topic and yeah. appreciate you all having me on. Yeah, you know, um, it really is an important topic. I mean, the the data that comes out of the Small Business Administration shows that, you know, more than half of small business owners in the U.S. are over the age of 50. In fact, like the average age, I think, is between like 55 and 60. We're not all like Anne Hathaway in, you know, the interns. You know what I mean? You know, there's a Hollywood version of like the small business owners running some hot, chic, you know, operation in Brooklyn. And then there's like guys like me who are like in their 50s involved and, uh, you know, running their businesses in Philadelphia or Omaha or west around the country. And we all have a succession planning issue, you know, 
So let's let me ask you about just generally about succession planning. What are you finding out there among your your clients? Do do they realize how important succession planning is? And can you talk to me about why it's so important for anybody that's running a small business right now? The part of the beauty of running a small business and being your own boss and, you know, having an idea and the entrepreneurial spirit to see it through, you know, that takes, as you know, Gene, being a small business owner, I mean, that takes so much energy in order to take it from concept to creation to execution. And so what, what we find is a lot of times small business owners are just head down. You know, they want to focus on the day to day to day to day to day, particularly in an, an environment that we're you know, hopefully now coming out of after a couple of years where, you know, let's be honest, it's it's been really, really hard to navigate, you know, what's essential, what's not essential, you know, in person, virtual. There's just been a lot of additional challenges over the last couple of years. So I, I generally speaking, find in the small business owners that I talk to and the members of ours, those planners who help those small business owners, is that most people know there's a succession planning challenge, but don't have, haven't taken the time to really think about what are the different pieces that go into an effective small business uh, succession plan. And then they certainly haven't taken that next step, which is ultimately what has to happen, executing a plan uh, over a period of time to make sure this beautiful thing that we've created, this small business, continues past the life of the you know founding entrepreneur. So right. I just think there's a lot, a lot of work that has to be done to do this successfully. You mentioned about the pieces that need to, you know, need to be thought about for a succession plan. Um, and you know, you, you can't see me right now, but let me just paint a picture. I'm young and I'm spry, healthy, very good looking, plan on running my business for many, many years for now. But listen, I gotta think about the future, right? I gotta put those pieces in place. So if we were talking together and I was your client, what pieces should I be putting together to make sure that I am providing for a good plan of succession in the years to come? I think the number one thing, the number one bit of advice that I would give, uh, Gene, and uh, I can tell by the sound of your voice about how good looking you are. So that's <laughs> obvious. You can pick it up. You didn't have to say it, but I appreciate the validation. Of course. Uh, but the the number one piece is the recognition that a the most small business owners have the their value their net worth is tied up in their business. They may have a house, they may have some other investable assets, but most of their assets are tied up in the business. In that, and so the personal planning for the business owner is inextricably tied to the business succession planning, right? Those things are not disconnected. They're one for that business owner because you've got to get ultimately, you've got to transfer the ownership to that next generation in order to get the value out of the business so that you can retire and you can go on to do other things, right? So you've got to transfer the ownership and then you've also got to transfer the abilities that you brought as an entrepreneur to build the business in the first place and, and who's that next person that or next people that are going to both have the ability to take on the business responsibilities, run the day-to-day -day business, hopefully grow it, but also have the assets that enable them 
to purchase the business from the original owner uh, at a fair valuation from both ends. So, you know, that's, I think, the biggest thing that there's, you got to recognize that this is the valuation for of the business is part and parcel of the value of the owner's estate or net worth. And then they got to have a plan both on an operational standpoint and a asset purchase valuation standpoint so that that next generation has the ability to to pay what the business is worth. Those are the two, in my mind, really key components to an effective succession plan. Fair enough. Um, you, you mentioned valuation, and that's always the number one question that comes up. You know, I mean, you know, you know I'm looking to sell my business and I want to know what I'm going to get for it. I know there there's an industry of independent appraisers that will come around and, and value a business. I know that. I also know that across the board, we as business owners tend to overvalue our businesses because we sometimes think that it's worth more than you know it really is in reality. So you know, before you get any outside professionals involved, Mark, like what what would you recommend? Like, how would you tell a client, like just back of the envelope, how to value their business? Just to just to get an idea of what their entire value is like. And I know it's going to involve their personal assets, like you said. So give me some advice on that. Well, I think there are two really important components to an effective valuation. I think number one, there is obviously kind of the asset liability, revenue expense, you know, what are the what are the revenues coming in? What's the expense load? What's the margin? What's the trend line over the last couple of years? What are the future revenue obligations? And I think most people get that, right? That that there's going to be, you know, you've got to look at the assets and the value of the business from a dollars and cents standpoint. And I and I think again, there are lots of appraisals out there that do that really well. I think that the the one that I always encourage people to really look at, which again goes back to sort of the planning process, is on the operational value. Do you have an effective leadership team? Do you have core values? Do you have a culture within your organization that goes beyond you, the successful entrepreneur that created this business in the first place? Because that's a part where you know, so much of the value attached to revenue and expenses are attached to the individual, right? Gene, you're talented. So you have this ability to go out and convince people that your CPA firm is the best. But if you're not a part of the business and you don't have a culture and a successor that goes beyond you as an individual entrepreneur and you don't have kind of the operational rigor, then anyone who comes in is going to apply a discount to future revenues because Gene's not by definition going to be there to help create those revenues. So I think the operational rigor is really important to factor into the valuation. And again, that's an area where I don't think people, business owners, put enough time and energy into. Yeah, it's funny. One of my all-time favorite books is um, called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. I don't know if you've ever read it or not, but it's this classic book about small businesses. You know, and his whole thing is how you know our businesses are not valued very well. Like most small businesses have very little value, and I'm I'm guilty of that so much because his theory is that, and and it's very true. It speaks to what you were talking about 
if you don't have an operational structure, and you don't have an organization um, where that the owner can just leave it for weeks or months at a time without it completely falling apart, then the organization really has no value, right? I mean, it's just, you know, maybe you can sell your inventory and your receivables, but nobody's going to pay anything extra for your actual organization. Um, and he was using the example of like a McDonald's franchise has incredible value because, you know, the manager can come and go. You just get a new manager, but there's processes and systems and things in place that, you know, anybody could buy that franchise and boom, be running it the next day. And I think that's what buyers really want, you know? No, there's just no question about it. And, you know, again, all of our strengths are our weaknesses and the entrepreneurial spirit, the will to succeed, the drive, the passion that comes in that entrepreneurial founder owner is also their weakness in that a lot of times what they're not good at is building organizational structures, being clear about decision-making authority and values and purpose. And so that's the part where oftentimes an entrepreneurial founder owner needs the most help. Somebody from the outside to really look at and say, okay, you know, before we even talk dollars and cents, do you have somebody here that either is capable or will be able with development capable of taking this business on after you, right? And, you know, do you have a key person that can take over? And what's the plan, again, to transfer ownership and the value, realize some of that valuation over a period of time so that you get the maximum amount of your life's work in return? Got it. Got it. I have two more questions for you, and then let me turn things over to John. The first question has to do with advisors. Uh, you know, obviously, you're you're a wealth management guy, um, so you you can direct me that way. Where do you fit into my team of advisors, and who should be on my team of advisors if I'm considering selling my business sometime in the next two to three years? You know, I, I mean, I really look at uh, I look at what what I would call a financial security professional, right? Which is, I think, the tip of the spear in my mind is somebody. Again, let's go back to the beginning, which is. You know, your retirement plan is connected to your business succession plan. They're not disconnected They're unless you've got a whole bunch of assets uh, on the side. And this is just a fun thing that you do. The reality, Gene, is and I'm sure it's probably the case like your 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 net worth is tied up into the business. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. We've got to we've got to find somebody who can help you with your personal planning. Right. And, mm -hmm. and some of it comes to like, what's the value of the business? Do you have an estate planning or estate tax uh, potential challenge? You know, like what's your plan? And do you have kids? Do you have families? Like what's the. What's that part of the plan? And then somebody with the expertise to really look at and say, uh, okay, now do we have do we have key person, key people within the within the business? What's the ownership structure? Should we look at something like an ESOP or should we do a buy-sell? Like and 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 somebody that really looks at it holistically. Like I think wealth managers really look at, you know, how do you invest assets in a diversified way to grow those assets. This is a much more, in my mind, intimate plan that's connected with you, your family, your employees, their families. And so the tip of the spear in my mind is a holistic financial advisor that understands businesses, 
understands business valuations, understands succession plans, understands life insurance, and that can help with a holistic financial plan. Obviously, there will be people who uh, do valuations and accountants and perhaps trust officers. They're going to lawyers. There are going to be other advisors on the team. But in my mind, it really starts with a holistic financial advisor that can help Gene do the planning Gene needs to do and the business planning to do the business. Yeah, it's funny. Boy, you're going to hate me for saying this, but the analogy that I see is like, honestly, like a general contractor for like a building project, you know, like you need that person that's next to you that really sees the whole big picture uh, that's experienced in doing this. I can provide you with the advice that you need and then bring in the experts to do their specific jobs, you know, and oversee them. Um, that's, you know, that's kind of the analogy that I see there. The other piece of it is it's got to be somebody that the business owner trusts and has a relationship with like that, because you got to share intimate details about where you are in your life. So you got to have that trusted relationship with the general contractor, as you say. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Last question. And then this can, this really can transition over to John, who I know is, you know, as questions on the buying side, but really the question that I have for you, I mean, you're, you're out there right now, Mark, you're seeing what the market is. You deal with a lot of clients that are you know, looking to you know, have a succession plan, move on. Just give us, a, give us an idea of what you, you, you see in the market. Do you see a lot of business owners? Is this a good time to sell right now is, is I guess, my question. Uh, we're seeing a lot of activity, a lot of activity. Um, you know, a lot, some of it's driven by private equity, right? Like it depends on the size of the business, but there's a lot of, a lot of activity um, around, you know, buying, selling, you know, valuation. So uh, in my mind, it's a pretty hot market. And so I think now is a really good time to, to take a look and develop a plan. All right, John, up to you. Awesome. Thanks, Gene. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. So I think my first question is probably really around timeline. So if you're someone who kind of has like an, an end insight in terms of when you want to kind of be out of your business, when should you really start thinking about kind of doing an assessment to figure out like what are the steps you need to take? And on average, like how long does it really start to kind of take to get set up to to have a productive conversation or, or kind of start that process of looking for an exit strategy? So I think the, the the process itself to develop a plan, which is separate than executing the plan, but you know, that depends on the size of the business and the complication and the assets involved and how much, what are the margins within the business? Uh, but, you know, I, I, on average, that's a, I would say it's a three to six month process, right? It could be sooner, you know, again, depends on if there are estate planning implications, but uh, cause that can take a little longer. But if it's a pure succession plan, uh, individual business owner plan, you know, again, that's a it's not a, you know, one and done meeting. There's a bunch of things that have to connect to it. I would say the minimum, the minimum that I would say the timeline, you know, if Gene's 50 years old and he wants to retire at 60, you know, he really needs to start that process uh, in the next year or two. I mean, the more time that you have, the more options you have. I would say a minimum of five, five year transition period. Because again, what we see when I talk to our members and their clients, what we see is that if you have the benefit of time, then you have the ability to gradually transition ownership 
to that next generation who has to buy out the founder, you know, entrepreneur, business owner, if they have more time, you can gradually you can gradually transition that ownership stake over a period as part of a plan, because a lot of times that next generation, that buyer, they don't have a bunch of cash laying around that they can just give the business owner. So it's got to be there's got to be this transition process that, you know, five years or more is, I think, absolutely essential. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. So I have a friend who um, we worked together years ago and it was at a, a local restaurant and she ended up kind of entering a deal with with an owner to kind of take it over. But it was like a seven year plan where, to your point, she didn't have a, a ton saved up. You know, he wanted top dollar for for the business. So they worked out a deal where she pretty much agreed to a salary and then any kind of assumed increase or kind of bonus went back into kind of paying him back. So he almost financed plus took to kind of make his his means meet. But when it comes to things like that, do you feel like most owners are aware of the options and, and kind of think about the different ways they might have to kind of build a successor, especially if it's from within? Because I think a lot of people kind of feel like when they're ready to sell their business, it's almost like a house, right? Well, figure out how to essentially list it and we'll find buyers where I think so much of it probably really does come from taking that time, not only developing a plan, but the relationships and and getting someone ready to go. Uh, uh, There's no doubt. I would say there's a very, very, very small percentage of people who truly have a well thought out plan with, uh, because so many of them are just sort of working on their business. You know, there was a, there was a, an article published uh, in 2021 by the Dayton Daily News that said 75% of small businesses don't have succession plans. Um, you know, so, and, and there's other studies that, you know, somewhere between 60, 70, 80%. And I think the expertise of a founder, entrepreneur, business owner is in the idea and in the execution and the creation of the business. I don't think there is, there are very, very, very few, if any, that actually understand what is going to take to actually transfer that business and to get top dollar for it and how much time and energy, both on the financial side and on the operational side that it takes uh, to really go through it, which is why most people don't have one. And so, and, and I don't think they have the capability of their experts in their idea, I don't think they have the capability of developing that uh, transition plan on their own. I think this is one of those things where, you know, Gene's analogy on a general contractor, like they need professional help. If most of their net worth is embedded in this, embedded in this business, what they need to do is they need to get professional help to understand the options, understand the operational rigor that's going to take, understand a realistic timeline, identify a buyer, figure out how to get the assets transferred over time. You know, seven years feels like that's a well thought out glide path to success. Um, so that's I don't think pe- most business owners have a clue, honestly, in terms of what it really takes to transfer their business. Got it. And when do you find them kind of coming to you for help, mostly after they've tried and, and something didn't work out or they kind of have to start from scratch? Like, what are some of the the signals that you might be at a point where if this is an active thought, you need to reach out to someone versus kind of 
preparing? You know, like when do people often tend to course correct or when should they? I think that there's a, the life cycle of an entrepreneur is, you know, there's energy, excitement, vigor, passion, will on the front end. There's an execution phase and sort of that middle end. And I would put a time horizon on it, but everybody's different. You know, you have an idea, you get it up and running. It, it, it works. You've got some money. You're hiring people. You're executing. And then there's that back end part of the timeline where, you know, entrepreneurs, they get tired and they've got a lot of pressures and they get that the energy that brought them this idea that they started to execute, you know, it just starts to weigh on them. And that's the time where we find the most productive conversations take place is when you've got, you know, maybe it's when they're getting to 55 or 60, or maybe they're, maybe they've been doing it for a few years and they're, and they've got something that's real, but they're sort of tired. And so that's when I think the most productive conversations take place. It's when that entrepreneur is looking beyond just what's the next sale, what's the next opportunity, how do we maximize what we're currently doing, and they start to reflect. And so that, in my mind, is when a professional, when they connect to them, is in the, is in the best situation. The other dynamic is also when there's a change in circumstances in the individual entrepreneur owner's personal life. You know, maybe there's, you know, maybe there's a divorce or maybe there's a death in the family or maybe there's challenge with children. And it just there's a, uh, a an external stimulus from their personal life that just says, hey, I'm just not going to be able to continue to do this forever because I've got these other things that are really important to me. And that that is also an area where when there's a, a stimulus that comes from the personal life where they where we find that they're in the best condition to really think about effective succession planning. That's interesting. And you know, you mentioned a little bit around kind of valuation before and and really thinking about that in terms of kind of the brand strength and and what the business can kind of stand without the the owner or kind of that legacy attached. Are there specific things or um or kind of executional examples that you have found to be more valuable for owners to invest in. So I think about regular community involvement or people might have independent foundations or things that might cement them more to a local community. You know, do you, do you find that some of that is, is more helpful when you're kind of trying to package up the total value of the business? Yeah. I, again, I would go back to, I mean, I think any, any sort of, you know, the branding that, that some of the community engagement comes down to, to what's your organizational brand. And, you know, that's always helpful, but again, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because a lot of times that, that engagement in the community is tied up into the individual entrepreneur, right? And that that organizational brand and the individual brand are so linked that you know that that the it's positive, but if you remove that individual from the equation, it doesn't have nearly the same level of organizational brand. So I do think the two most important things from a valuation standpoint, obviously revenue expense, you know, profit loss, those kinds of things. You know, what what is your what is your profit 
and how what's the expense load in order to achieve that profit. But that operational rigor, you know, leadership teams, cultures, uh, you know, do you have a viable succession plan? How are you keeping and retaining key employees? Like what is your what is the benefit package that you have to show that, you know, you may have the world's greatest salesperson and that's not a business owner, not a successor, but the best salesperson in the world. But then what's your strategy to retain that salesperson beyond your life in the business? So I think that operational rigor still goes down to that for me is the best uh, the best thing that a business owner can invest in in order to put themselves in a position to maximize their valuation. And then I guess my my last question probably around like the the entry is really thinking about advice for kind of the potential successor. So again, people not necessarily coming in with a checkbook and, and kind of an investment model. How should current owners and potential successors kind of think of contributions as they start to really kind of iron out? So absent cash value, if it is something where they're kind of like working for equity, how should those conversations go? And what are some tips you might have on kind of putting a value on earning rights over time or or kind of as people grow into maybe eventually kind of owning a piece of the business so they can eventually buy the whole thing out? Yeah, and I think this is where this is where the value of a plan. I mean, there's a lot of creative ways to get at this. And like I mentioned, an, an employee stock ownership plan, or you know, there's lots of ways that you can transfer the value of the business over time with investments to the next generation that creates uh, a win-win. It also there it requires shared sacrifice. You know, so many times business owners, they're because they are in many ways the economic driver of the business, they, they get used to um, having a certain income, pulling off profits in order to sustain their lifestyle. And so, again, I think you've got to you've got to take a, a longer term view of this shared sacrifice that creates win win because there may need to be some additional compensation that's paid to that next generation as part of a process to transfer assets. And the business owner wins in the long run because they've gotten a greater valuation and they've given they've gotten the 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 next generation the ability for them to come in and actually have the cash that they need to buy the business owner out. So, you know, that's where I think there are a lot of different, very specific opportunities, but because every business is different, the key in my mind is finding a professional, that general contractor to come in, to help with the personal planning, to understand the business succession planning and really build those personal business plans together. And that, that can be executed with the cash flow available and the assets, et cetera. So I just can't say enough the importance of each one of these plans is different. And you got to find somebody that you can trust and you can talk to that understands the entire picture in order uh, to be successful. Great. And then, I mean, hitting on it a little bit, you know, is there, does there tend to be any other kind of benefits when you think about like the executing that over time, you know, in terms of maybe kind of any tax implications or 
reducing opportunity costs or maybe avoiding kind of other penalties he might not be thinking about? Well, I mean, you know, obviously capital gains and the realization events and, you know, the, the tax implications is are really, really important. And, you know, you can, you know, if you're if your business, if you're your the basis in your business is relatively low and there's now it's worth a lot and then you're gonna sell it and you have to realize those gains and then and and the income attached to it, there's the tax consequences again, particularly if our business is worth, you know, a couple million dollars or a million dollars, right? We don't want to take all of that income in in one year, right? And so we want to structure it in such a way where the tax implications are minimized uh, over time, and that again, that that bears for really thoughtful, effective planning over time, right? And I think that's another really important point that most people don't factor in is what what are the tax consequences to to a sale? Uh, really, really important. And then obviously, depending on the size of the business, you know, you know, the estate tax is obviously that that is an element. You know, it's for larger right now. The individual exemptions are eleven million dollars per person, 12, 22 million bucks for a couple. Then there's ability to give away assets over time uh, as part of the lifetime gift exemption. But you know, those are bigger now. But look, uh, as Gene knows, because he's a CPA. The tax code on the individual side is all subject to be sunset at the end of 2025. And depending on who's in charge and what their perspective is, you know, that'll depend on what happens with tax rates. So all of that stuff has to be tracked and has to be factored into a thoughtful succession plan. No doubt about it. Right. Well, no, I think this is is all been helpful advice and it, it goes to show how much there is to think about and how long it can take to execute a well thought out plan that's really going to be beneficial to you as a business owner and, and the person who's coming in to take over your business. So, you know, Mark, I appreciate your your insight there. And Gene, you know, any other questions you have? Yeah, I have like a thousand questions. Uh, but, <laughs> but Mark, we got to bring you back. You know, I, I have more questions on valuation, more questions on documentation, more questions on really from a from a buyer's angle as well. But we are out of time. I, I just wanted to also thank you as well. Uh, for joining us. Great information. And, and I would like to get you back on air, uh, which we'll be in contact with you. So thank you. Listen, guys, it's it's a really, really important subject. Um, small businesses are are important to the they're the backbone of this of this country and this economy. And so anything that we can do to help small business owners in this uh, important discussion, we're here to do it. So thanks for having me. I like it. I like it. John, you want to take us out? Sounds good. Um, everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of Small Biz Ahead, your small business podcast presented by the Hartford. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, John Adikonis, Gene Marks, and Mark Eden signing out. Mm-hmm.